Hey world, welcome back to the Shape of a Star podcast, where everyone has a story, we just need to shake it up so they're like, where the star, or something like that. Episode 62 of the numbered episodes, you've been here long enough, go with it. The other second phrase of the show, and my whole life, so <laughs> go with it, and welcome. Today, we have on a guest that, one, I've been trying to track down to come on forever, and two, as a guest type, I have also been trying to track down and come on since this podcast began, which was, my God, two years ago now. By the way, world, it is March 1st, 2023. If we say something that did not hold up, do not cancel us. Because when I started recording this originally, it was during the pandemic when we still were being told we'll be free in two weeks. So I like to give that context. Don't cancel us. But here we go. Today, I'm so excited to bring on a magician, finally. I don't know how everyone else feels. I feel like magicians are like one of the most fun things on earth. Debating like hiring one for my birthday party this year. We'll find out if we'll find out if I have money, honestly. But so excited. Everyone, please welcome internationally known a resume so big I could not read it all in my vast research. Please welcome Chris Michael. Woohoo! Woohoo! Welcome! Thank you for having me. I, I'm so used to coming out with like a ton of energy on a stage, and I think for podcast listeners, it's annoying. So uh, thanks for listening to my very subdued, almost sad woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so do, do you get to create your entrances when you like come out, or...? Yeah, the last show I did, uh, we worked on it for like two hours. That's how vain I am. But also because if you nail the entrance, the rest of the show goes super well. It's probably like, I mean, you, it's known that you're a therapist, yes? Yes. Okay, I, I knew that that was known. I didn't know if it was known to like how widely. So um, in the same way that if you are doing therapy with a new client and that the first few sessions kind of set the tone for your relationship, and I'm sure that that can change. It just it's a lot harder to do it later than in the beginning, and it's the same exact thing with performing. It's like if you don't nail that in the beginning, it uh, it's very hard. Like actually, my one of my most recent shows bombed so hard because I uh, I kind of made a a little faux pas in the beginning. Anyway, you want to do a get, getting canceled speed run? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but I totally get what you mean. I'm actually currently like exploring new therapists because my moved out of state everyone it was not a bad relationship and it's just that his license could not continue across the state lines that he was moving to so mm. i'm currently as i call it auditioning new ones i have four <laughs> and i'm like mm -hmm, you get like two or three and then that's what we're figuring out and then you also got to compete against each other if i like two of you at the end congrats let's have a therapist off high standards people the idea of auditioning is perfect for what you do too and your whole brand of like, find, you know, a shape of a star and finding out if we're a star or something like that, you know. Um, and I got to say, I, I'm not really sure what the rules are on therapists and moving across state lines. I run into that problem a lot because I travel for all these shows. And the moment I leave the state, my therapist is like, sorry, I can't meet with you. So uh, I've never been courageous enough to ask that question. What's that about? Oh, yeah, I'll happily tell you. Legally, right? So here's, it's basically like insurance. So like our like malpractice insurance and insurance like requirements changes per state. Uh. So this was a whole thing, like right before the pandemic, people were really talking about it. Like if I'm in Jersey and I'm helping someone in Nebraska, 
whose laws am I following? Mm. Nebraska's or Jersey's. <laughs> okay. So, and this is crazy. This is blowing my mind. It's insurance. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, well, it, but like with taxes, it's like if you operate a business and you send something out of state, but I mean, and now it might be like the IRS might knock on my door after I say this because I, I might be wrong, but like you operate a business to somebody virtually or elsewhere that's not in your state, you still get taxed in Virginia, you know, like where, where we are, at least I think. Um, but insurance doesn't recognize that way, I guess. Or am I wrong? It's more of like what you're allowed to deliver. And it just gets really blurry because each state has their own thing. And basically our licenses are all different in each state too. And so everyone, if you go back and listen to episode number, I think 14, I'm looking it up right now, everyone. Pause, pause, it's 14, pause. I'm going to pee myself. How vulgar no. can I be? I was going to say piss myself. I think it's probably not too bad. <laughs> Cursing's allowed. <laughs> so you're fine. Oh God, where is Sarah? Emily. Cool. Episode 15, everyone. So, wow, I was only one off. Okay. Uh, it's impressive. Actually um, told us about during Emily's an athletic trainer. Speaking of which, happy athletic trainers month. Not that this episode's coming out during the month, but I just, Emily, I just saw your stat. This about it. And I was about to comment. And actually when I get off, I'm going to make that our like Instagram story. Like everyone thank our favorite athletic trainer point is, is that like athletic trainers, can diagnose concussions in certain states and they can't in others. Whoa. Right. Bonkers McGee. So kind of the same. Just letting people die in other states. Just like, sorry, you're going to have to go to sleep on this one and uh, drool a little bit. Can't do it. Well, I'm sure they call 911 or something. Also, Virginia is one of those states that you cannot diagnose, that they cannot diagnose a concussion or clear it. That's the other thing. Clear it as in, hey, you're good now. Like your concussion's done. Holy crap. Jeez, dude. I'm learning this. I'm learning a lot. This is uh I didn't think I'd talk about insurance on a podcast episode with a magician, but this is like this is the questions I, I wanted to know. And I don't talk to my therapist like a friend. So this is my real chance to ask that. Because it's a pain in the ass to like be like I go to do a show in New York and I I might make it back in time to Virginia for me to do my therapy, but traffic dictates and I I don't have it in me to lie and like be like, hey, can we do this on the phone? And then, you know, be in New Jersey or whatever. Which, when you said talking, I heard your New York come out, by the way. Oh, yeah. Let's start there, everyone, because start from the very beginning, sound of music of us, we are from similar stomping grounds. You're um, much more New Yorker than I am. You are much more New Yorker. The closer you are to the city, the closer you are to being able to rob people with a spoon. You know what I mean? Well, no one is going to be scared of me. Uh, I'm from Massac, New York, which is towards the towards the Hamptons. But I promise you, none of that wealth trickled down over there. I grew up five minutes from the beach, and that's why I kind of don't really like going to the beach to this day. Even though my girlfriend is like that is her that is her heaven, that is her favorite spot on earth. The beach is just a place that I went whenever my grandma didn't want to, you know, spend a lot of time watching us, and we were just dropped there. So I feel like I have countless hours on a beach and i just ran out of everything possibly to do there so in my adult life uh other than like drinking and doing stuff on the boardwalk it doesn't appeal to me unfortunately you know i literally just googled where on earth mastic is on the island because everyone i we're both from long island if you didn't catch on the drift and i have no idea the geography of the island i just know go to sunrise highway you'll hit everything eventually (laughs) um And wow, 49 miles we were from each other. First, I didn't even know Long Island was that long. 
Um, about an hour and 10 minutes, I'm going to guess. An hour and seven? Well, okay, 59 minutes directly. An hour and seven, the longest. Not bad. Pretty close. Gotta give you credit yeah. on that. No, I would. Because I actually didn't even notice that I was. we were on the 59-minute one. I saw the hour and seven. I was like, wow, look at that. But... Where I am in DC now, I have a target that's 30 minutes from my house. Oh, oh I ruined now I ruined the twist of the story. It's supposed to be eight minutes, but I have to go across the bridge into DC and it's never taken me less than 30 minutes. And if I leave like around five o'clock, it's gonna end up being more like 45 minutes. It's it's nuts. So it's a big difference. Like Long Island, they have a ton of people up there and traffic can be bad, but it never seems like it holds it up for infinity like it does in DC. Nope, DC is literally studied to be the worst. We have not talked anything about you other than that you're a magician and you're from Madison. I like stuff like this. I like flow content. I talk about myself a lot, so it's cool to just be a person, but uh, I'm down to get into it. Uh, ask ask away. No, 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 no. We are humans first. That is the therapist talking to, um, I guess. And I don't know, yeah. So how, when did you move down? So I actually lived most of my life in Richmond, Virginia. I was in New York until I was about 11. Um, kind of a, a crazy story. My mom had me when she was 17. She didn't really, and I actually talk about this in my stage show now, but she didn't really take care of me in the sense that she, A, was in school and then went to college and then worked a job to be able to pay for having a kid that young. Which, by the way, like having a kid at 17, like at my current age of 25, I look at that and I'm like, holy crap, how could you? Like, I, it, it all makes sense now. Like, all the damage I have as a child, it's like, of course I'm damaged. Like, how would you know how to take care of anything at the age of 17? So, um, no no disrespect to my mom. I love her. But she wasn't very involved. So, my grandma and grandpa was raised by, uh, you know, they raised me. Um, grandmother's the sweetest lady on planet Earth. Short, Italian, olive skin, just best hugs on Earth. And then... My grandfather, he's kind of crazy, has, you know, New York vibes all the way through. He's got the heart of a lion and banned from the Brooklyn Zoo because of it, that type of guy. Uh, yeah, so my my mom, uh, she kind of came back into the picture fully when I was 11. She decided to move to Virginia because she got pregnant again, and my grandparents didn't want to continue to take care of more children. So she had to move where it was cheaper, and we ended up in Richmond, and and that's where I ended up building my life from that point on. Wow. Um, you were, your mother was 17. Mine was 16. Um, oh, wow. Holy yeah. crap. I did not, this is not planned. I had no idea. I guess it never came up. No, it didn't. I had no idea that you were also a teenage pregnancy. Ooh. <laughs> also known as a mistake. Okay. I like to say oops, babies. <laughs> oops, babies. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, oops. Oops. <laughs> But it's very public on the podcast. Um, I was adopted. So birth mother was 16. My adoptive parents were a 33 because they're born 20 days apart, actually. I thought that was cool when I that realized cool. it. Uh, but yeah, no, they were 33 when I was adopted. So basically by someone twice her age. <laughs> Did you know um, your actual mother at any point? I do, actually. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So because it was Hong Kong and not China, China, I have like all my paperwork was British and like colonized at the time. I'm an actual colonized person, people. This so, is insane. Yeah. So we had our basically whatever the equivalent of social security number was. Okay. So I've known her forever. Like I was like, she was on our Christmas card sending list. 
honestly, I don't know if we're, we were supposed to have our info like that, but we did. And who knows? Wait, who, but who facilitated that? Your um, foster slash adoption parents or? No. Okay. So my birth mother reached out to her social worker in Hong Kong who reached out to the social worker in New York who reached yeah. out to my parents. It's like, look, you're under no obligation to say this. Uh, and then my parents are like, oh, easy. Christmas card time anyway. I'm a December wow. baby anyway, so it was around my birthday. So they were okay. like, oh, November Christmas cards. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. I'm a so, Scorpio, yeah. so all that, you know, weird stuff that goes with that. I I'm not into, I'm not, for, no disrespect to anybody who's, as a mentalist, I should be into horoscopes. I'm really not, and I apologize. Uh, the more that I try not to be into it, though, the more I kind of question some of that stuff, for sure. I, I definitely do. I had a whole conversation about that with my therapist today. Um, <laughs> actually one of the ones that's auditioning or a real one uh the uh, auditioning ones the real one is already <laughs> dipped out at a state yeah 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 no but it's uh, cool that we have all these similarities i didn't know this is this is really awesome so yeah uh richmond for for uh, up until just this past october so you know i was 24 when i moved to arlington which is where i live now and boy it's just Love Richmond. It's very different. It's like a Tim Burton movie there. People with banjos and long legs and mustaches. They all ride bikes and drink beer. It's and like, they're blonde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so many bad. blonde people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they dye their hair crazy colors. You know, you got those people. But um, and those are my people. I don't mean to say those people. You know what I'm saying? And then, yeah, Arlington is very prim and proper and upscale, which I sort of accidentally blend in because I've, you know, built this whole entertainment thing for myself now. But I do miss miss some of the like grime and gore of Richmond for sure. I can go down there whenever. My girlfriend lives there still. I was like, go two feet into DC, you'll be fine. Yeah, there are. Yeah, yeah. Fourteenth Street has some of that. Yeah, right. Okay. Oh, so I actually just looked at the questions for the first time. People, this is like a record. We're like fifteen, fourteen minutes in, and like I haven't looked at the different. questions yet. No worries. So you didn't tell me this, but you have a psych degree. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a therapist. You didn't, I didn't, I don't think you did when I wrote the question, but we discovered that. So yeah, what inspired you getting a psych degree and being like one of us? Yeah, I've been, it's, it's so interesting to look back. I had a weird shift in what I wanted to do several times. And I guess that's normal when you're young. I've always wanted to do something in the like blowing people's minds department. and part of what really spoke to me was just like therapy or counseling because some of my experiences are when you discover something about yourself that you didn't know before, it's like the reveal to a really good magic trick. And, and, and now that I'm newly in therapy, this happens to me all the time where I uncover something and it makes sense. And it, it really has that feeling of like watching, watching a magic trick come to its finale. And I think that that's sort of what I picked up on that I really liked about about this. And I just felt substance abuse was something that was meaningful to me only because I was like a, like a total straight lace, didn't do any of that stuff. And I thought maybe that, that I could teach people how to be like that. And I don't really know why that was my calling, but, um, as I took some psychology classes and ended up getting into that in, in college, um, I really got drawn into the cognitive area of psychology and then behaviorism was super interesting to me. And I started getting into hypnosis, which was like the first thing I did before magic. And then um, and then, yeah, I realized once I was in college that just blowing people's minds straight up was a lot more fulfilling to me than blowing their minds a couple times a month and like otherwise having them cry to me, you know, which no disrespect to you. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure that's what it feels like sometimes though. 
Oh, no. Like, hmm, we're very similar. I'm a very dramatic person. So Love when it. it's like, truth bomb, boom. I'm just like, they're beaming as they're having a revelation <laughs> or whatever. Not that I'm doing anything like unethical, everyone. Don't think I'm a bad therapist. But <laughs> there is something to it, exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And it kind of... Okay, actually, I had this whole talk about my co- this with my coworkers like a couple months ago. The way I approach therapy is I want to be the thing that keeps you up at night thinking mm-hmm. about what we were talking about. Because, oh like, God. I'm a very razzle-dazzle person, so I'm going to try and make, like, our sessions, like, very, like, bing, 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 boom, 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 showbiz style. But I want it to stay in your head. And, again, I want it to keep you up at night because that means you're thinking about it outside our the room. And, again, there... Every therapist is not for everyone. You got to find one that fits you. That's just my style. It's who I am as a person. It taps into so many other talents I have, but exactly what you said, you described it. Holy cow. Yeah. When you explain like that, it does feel similar. There's a therapist on YouTube who I recently discovered that, uh, I don't know who it is, but he does these sessions and uncovers things about celebrities. He asks questions and digs in so deep. And the celebrity almost gets frustrated with him. He's like, this is good. This is good. This is what we want. And it's like a passionate exchange of words and ideas. And it's like, it's super like sexy and, and like uh, dramatic. And I love that idea of therapy because like they, they get through so much. There's tears and laughs. Me and my therapist, we kind of just talk like this more or less for an hour. Uh, but that is very helpful. And if, if anybody here hasn't accepted therapy and like has some stuff in their life that they're not good at, consider it because it's changed. Like it's changed me. I've only been doing it for a few months and it's, I am not the type of person who thought I'd be changed by therapy. Um, I was changed by therapy, big time. I'm I'm much healthier and happier in almost every way. I'm super glad to hear that. One thing I will say, sexy is not a word I use to describe my therapy style, everyone. Let that be known. <laughs> but um, <laughs> fun, imaginative, sparkly. Yeah, sure. We'll go with those. Not sexy. <laughs> but... Okay, so you already kind of said this, that you're into behaviorism and the cognitive side, but do you have a favorite theoretical orientation? Yeah, I guess I showed my hand a little bit. Um, I actually lie about this publicly, so I'll give you the real answer because you asked. Because I'm uh, a lot of – a lot of what I do is mentalism, um, there is some real analyzing behavior and body language, which is really a misnomer. It should be nonverbal because it's not all body stuff. Um, there is some of that that does help you and is how I do some of the tricks that I do on stage. However, a majority of it is just that. It's just tricks. But I do like to make people kind of question the reality and behavior, behaviorism and reading people's body language is something that people can really buy into and, and suspend disbelief around. So I always tell people that was my favorite. That was my area of concentration. But that's a straight up lie. Uh, cognitive 100%. And that's sort of like pulling the veil back because in order to make people believe that there's behaviorism at play, I have to use a lot of like cognitive dissonance, different biases to make people really buy into that and believe. And so in order to be to appear to be good at behaviorism, I'm actually just very good at cognitive, if that makes any sense at all. But I'm sure my my psych kids out there are totally putting the pieces together. I followed you immediately, but then my question is, why is it not cognitive behavioral therapy? CBT, like the one that's like the biggest trend on earth right now. Yeah, no, it, it is a super big trip, but that, that, it's just that it's like, um, I think that what interests me is not necessarily tricking people and doing certain behaviors or changing behaviors through the way that they think, 
but more the, why the brain is faulty to begin with. I love that. I love taking advantage of those on stage, not in a way that's evil, but in a way that's like for entertainment purposes to, to look how simple our brains are or look not even simple, but it's definitely not that. But just look how susceptible we are to these things. Look how powerful it is for yourself if you if you're able to use it. And cognitive behavioral therapy is the is the mission of taking that away, of like fixing the 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 gaps in our cognition that create bad behaviors. But I I, I love that. I, I want people to be their primitive self and show how we could pull it out of people. Like that that's awesome to me. You like the id? Yeah, <laughs> I do. Okay. <laughs> For those who don't know, the it is the part of your brain that's like basic primal, like instinct. Like it is the kid. That's the only way I remember it. It's like id, ego, super ego. Super ego is like the percent superficial version of yourself. Like, oh, I'm hoity toity. And like your big thinking part, yep. id, kid, basics. Yeah. And uh, it's like the iceberg theory. It's like what's below and beneath the iceberg that you're not even paying attention to on the very, very bottom. Or some, You know, you're like your amygdala, your brainstem, your flight or flight, fight response. It's all coming from your id, you know. Um, and what's great is that that often short circuits to higher level thinking. And that's why I think I do so well for like doctors, lawyers, astute people. Like I love performing for global leaders and like people who have dominate their industry because they think they know everything and they're, and they're very jaded, which is beautiful. I, I feel that way sometimes about what I do. <laughs> and I'm able to just completely deconstruct it in front of them because no one is susceptible to their brainstem taking over and them just feeling that like that goosebump feeling, that excited feeling in their stomach when they see something like what I do. And that that gives me a lot of satisfaction to take people who are like, who are total on the higher level thinking and just smack them back to caveman shit. <laughs> it's very fun. I would say, like to say, probably another like point of admiration for you. I have had so many other therapists on to talk about other things. I think this is like the most technical I have ever sounded with someone before. Hey, shout out. Yeah. That this thing is that the psychology really does help in the magic. Um, it, that learning psychology just made me more motivated to mess with people's heads. Um, but, but for their own enjoyment and, and to teach them and all this, you know, all the, all the, all the benefits of watching a good show. And um, yeah, I need, I need to know a little thing or two if I'm going to spend every day working on that. That makes total sense, though, because my friends all throughout college and the ones that have stayed with me through high school, I was a mean girl. I was nasty. And people mm -hmm. are like, you know, it's a good thing you used your powers for good in the end. Because we don't this, know where you would have ended up. There's just really like there's some really sneaky things that I'll do. And I'm, I'm kind of revealing not how my tricks are done necessarily, but like one thing that's that's really great is. If, if you're doing a certain trick and like you do touch the cards at some point, but it's just for a brief moment, you know, like something unassuming, but maybe that's part of the, the thing. Several moments pass and you can get the person to agree. Say, and now you've been saying that the whole time. I've been over here. I have not touched those cards. They've been in full view the entire time. And the person says, yes. Now that confirmation bias kicks in that like everything else I said is true. And then their cognitive dissonance comes in later when they're arguing with themselves and say, but he didn't touch the cards. They only believe that because I made them believe it and they don't want to contradict themselves. So they're not going to admit that they lied in front of everybody. So their brain just makes it easier for them to filter that information out and they'll lie to themselves and like things like that. Um, and they will swear that I've never touched them. Even though they saw me do it, I just, you can erase that memory. There's also, and now you, you really got me flying. There's a concept called GLEM, G-L-E-M-M-E. -M -M -E. And actually, let me, I don't know if that's even going to come up when I Google it. It might be like too, like, arc magic to even have a have a meaning <laughs> have hair gel coming up um <laughs> glem 
uh, yeah, to be forgotten, sink into oblivion. Yeah, cool. So there's a concept called glem. It's actually an old hypnosis term where you can replace the memory or make somebody forget that something happened. Um, and it totally sounds like science fiction, but glem is a something that magicians can do incredibly well. If you ever watched a magic trick and been like, wait, I didn't see that happen. You might have done it. And that memory might've just been erased from your mind. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy stuff. I fully believe that. Look what trauma does to us people. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be happy that it's not just trauma that makes us forget. That deja vu, can... by the way. What a weird time to get deja vu. Right. Holy cow. God. I did not prepare for this in-depth talk of psych, everyone. Okay, this is actually like disclose me time. So even though I'm a great therapist and like blah, 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 go me, go me. <laughs> I am like the worst textbook remember i'm like what theory is that yeah the fact i remember cbt and i'm following your conversation i am like super proud of myself for because to me i'm like oh cool they all blend and yeah but no oh another fun fact too cognitive psychology is like the class i failed <laughs> because um, i could not understand what they were talking about because it was so biology based Alrighty, so next up on our list of questions of everything. So you describe yourself as high energy, crazy, and irreverent. For those who don't understand irreverent, how would you define it? I think I just break a lot of social norms and um, I do things that are a little bit off the cuff and maybe like aren't allowed. Uh, it's like showing kind of like a... I don't like give the respect to things that should be like taken seriously, which I think is the, the actual definition. Like I, I go to a, a room full of top executives and C-level executives at a company and, you know, uh, just speak my mind openly. And I feel like it builds a lot of respect, uh, which is ironic. And even for you, like a great example, uh, I was at a conference earlier today with some of the top speakers and entertainers in the world. It, it is a long conference. I thought I was going to be pretty exhausted after this. I asked you if you want to do another day. You said, let's keep it for today. Or maybe even I suggested that. And I told you, cool, I'm just going to Ivy drip coffee and butt chug a monster. Not really an appropriate thing to say in a, like a professional conversation, but I feel like by being my authentic self, more, do more doors open to me. People tend to trust me a lot more and not in a manipulative way. Like I don't really have this higher level thinking going on. It's just, I just do what feels good or fun and entertaining. And it probably comes from my ADHD, like, I need stimulation. And part of the way I get that stimulation is the rush of doing things I'm not supposed to in social situations, but obviously it's controlled and toned down enough to be successful. I, you know, I think a lot of, I think a lot of successful creatives are like that. You know, I fully get what you're saying now because, okay, I came up with that question because I was like, I don't know how to describe irreverent and I didn't feel like Googling it as you described it. I Googled it to totally understand that mentality it's why, actually, I got this advice while I was in grad school doing my internship for therapy. Mm -hmm. um, I was told that I need to develop a healthy fear of authority. And mm. I was like, why? You're a person too. Am I supposed to be scared of you? Yeah. Boom. Is that not the definition of it right there? <laughs> yeah, it's it's good to know the social norms and um, like etiquette around certain people. But at the same time, like seeing the humanity in all people is something you've really been preaching. I've heard you talk about in multiple podcast episodes and even now, like on this one, you've mentioned it a couple of times. So I think that's a superpower and that also allows you to get things done. You know, you, you're able to seek out opportunities other people would shy away from because 
you know, you, you don't have fear in hitting people up to be on your podcast or to, you know, to work with you on projects. And that's a very valuable skill. And yeah, that doesn't happen if you have a fear of authority. Wow. Thanks. Which episodes have you listened to? I don't, so I drive a lot and I listen to a lot. They're all kind of blending. Um, I listened to the, I, the one I remember the most, the most recent one I listened to, which may have been the last one out before this, which was the one with the wedding photographer. That was really interesting. Um, John Fleming, everyone episode. Yeah. Oh God. What number is he? I'm not trying to remember this one in my head, people. I'm just looking it up. Um, episode 46. Yep. 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 And, um, D- DC local as well. I don't know if everybody has been, I don't remember, but I think it's cool to see, see some people representing. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, not everyone is a local. I had people like I had a guest on, uh, from China or Hong Kong, I should say. Um, he's like a YouTube creator and has like this like giant show running over there. And I, so, oh yeah, people have heard the episode. Uh, go listen to his episode. His name is Zicky Patrick. Um, it's episode. It's in between episodes 27 and 28. Or Zicky Chong Patrick. He goes by a lot of names. Point is, is that I was able to talk to him because I found my birth sister. My full one that I didn't know I ever had. Because, you know, 16 and pregnant. Um, so, it turns out I had a sister. Turns out she's fluent in Chinese still and English. <laughs> and Yeah, so I, we were just talking. And she's like, oh, you should watch the show. And I did. They had subtitles. And then I was like, oh, I wonder if this creator would come on the show. And he did. And thus I dragged her on to translate. Yes. <laughs> hey, I got to ask you something. This is a weird question. Does your New Jersey accent, do, do you speak any other languages? No. Okay. Okay. All right. If someone had a New Jersey accent, you know, and then they were picking up another language, with that accent, I don't, I don't believe it would carry, right? It, there's no way that it would carry over. Okay, no, it does not. And I fully believe that because other, you know, there's so many idiosyncrasies I know because I know so many like multilingual people. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's so language specific, like my dad specifically. Yeah. So my dad is an immigrant from Hong Kong and he stutters horribly in Chinese. And my whole life, I never realized it was him stuttering. I thought it was just part of Chinese. <laughs> is it like a medical stutter or like a nervous stutter? I, is he like I, not really putting it together? <laughs> it's because it's my grandpa stuttered. Uh, whoa, he had a horrible whoa. stutter. His and I didn't realize this until like I was in my twenties. My grandpa had a horrible stutter because he would stutter in every language. Uh-huh. My dad would only stutter in Chinese or only stutters uh-huh. in Chinese. And I could tell when he's stuttering versus like trying to remember a word. Oh wow! Because his oh, body language God. changes, and oh, so to answer your question, I do not think so. Because I've hmm. seen lots of things like that. That's always the one that pops up in my head because I see it a lot. But your behavior can be compartmentalized that tightly, people, subconsciously. Look at me. Three big words in one sentence. Hell yeah. That feels good. Feels good. Yeah. No, that was a great question, though. Okay. So, Okay. Back to the magic. You kind of already said how you got into the magic, at, but mm-hmm. how did you make the jump to become a magician? Slowly. Um, I was about freshman year in college, and I was getting involved with some magicians locally because when I was in college, I had more freedom, and also your your days aren't as like scheduled as when you're in grade school. 
kind of exploring and getting out there and, you know, just taking a break from school and going for walks to explore, I found this magic shop named Divine Magic and Novelties. I met some local club members from this thing called IBM, which is the International Brotherhood of Magicians. And it's a very real thing. There are two rival gangs. There's the International Brotherhood of Magicians and the Society of American Magicians. And they're both competitors, yet kind of friendly. And it there's a whole world to this. Like, even when a magician dies, there's like a secret ceremony for them that not even the family knows about called a broken wand ceremony where they take your most expensive wand or your favorite wand, break it and set it in the casket with you. Now, uh, it it's very much like a nerdy kind of mafia type deal to be a magician. And I was allured by that, that secrecy of it, the, you know, people sharing secrets that I'd only dreamed of acquiring and how to manipulate the mind and do impossible things just kept showing up until my face was familiar and they sort of felt comfortable to let me come to some meetings. And, uh, yeah, I would do, I would just gig for them for free. Right. They needed like somebody to, Hey, we want to support the community and go to this local museum and do magic outside. I'm in. I kept doing that until I sort of felt like I was outpacing a lot of the old guys, which it literally is just all dudes in their seventies, like very old people in this club. I feel like I sort of out outpaced them and I learned quickly. I started wanting to get to the next level and naturally the next level was like trying to figure out paid gigs. And, uh, yeah, once I, once I got into that, it was like the rest was history. And by the time I had graduated college, uh, which I do kind of have a story of how I started booking big shows, but we don't have to get into it now if you don't want to. Uh, I was already making more money than I, than I would have with my psychology degree. So I was like, Hey, I accidentally ended up doing this full time. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Tell us that story. I want to hear. Yeah, this is super insane. So when I was in college, my financial aid, because my family wasn't very well off. Obviously, with my mom having kids so young, I'm sure you get how that goes. So, I mean, hell, we moved to Virginia because we we didn't have enough money, you know? Um, I was the first person in my immediate family to go to college. Both my stepdad and my mom had never went. And so I relied on financial aid very heavily. Something didn't get completed properly with one of my grants, and I I sort of think that it was my financial aid advisor's fault because other people who had that advisor had the same issue where they lost that grant, like he lost some paperwork or something, and within a couple of weeks, he was the guy working at Kroger. Like this dude used to have the sharpest suit I'd ever seen, very handsome dude, just in two weeks. And not that like people who work at Kroger look like shit, but in this case, he did, and just I was like, Something, something happened here, you know. So I sort of think it was his fault. By the way, people, for those who don't have it near you, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, I forget about it. it's like Al. Well, it's like saying Albertsons when you're not in California. People don't know what that is. Um, but anyway, so I, I needed some way to make money because registration for courses was coming up, and my whole strategy to, in college was going on rate my professor, find the ones who didn't assign a lot of homework, and taking those classes. Right. That was my. That was my, what I did. And my whole strategy was about to fall apart if I couldn't get on a, a, a decent professor's class roster. So I start panicking and trying to find a way. Because the way that it works, by the way, is you can't register for classes until your previous bill is paid. That's how they get you, right? Which makes sense. I find a way to make quick money. I'm, I'm trying to look for things. And one of my friends recommends doing magic. He's like, you always do this around school. There's a dude who does it out in Carytown, which is a small sh strip in Richmond that got a lot of foot traffic. This guy makes good money. Went out there and did it. Felt like I was stepping on that guy's toe. So I went to King's Dominion, which is a Six Flags type theme park we have in, in Virginia. 
and I set up a little bucket. I start doing magic tricks and I made like $60 within a few minutes. And then by the time I left, I had like 400 bucks, which as a college student was to me, life-changing money. So I went back like one or two more times and security, like this, I don't know why they didn't have a problem the first time, but the next time, maybe they just, you know, they saw me all of a sudden. They asked me to leave. They said, sir, you're soliciting. I said, no, I'm not. Grabbed my stuff. I left. I looked up soliciting. That's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> you're right. And um, that, that was it. I was like, okay, I have to find a new way to make money. About two or three months after, I actually think it was closer to three months after, a girl in my psychology class came up to me after class and she was like, hey, are you the guy who does magic? And I was like, oh, uh, I think so. I mean, there's a few of us around here that do it, but, but I'm one of them. She goes, no, I, I, I think that, did you ever do it at King's Dominion? And I was like, oh no, that definitely wasn't me. I'm like thinking I'm gonna get in trouble. And she's like, no, no, no we're hoping it is you because uh, people have been emailing us, asking us when that magician's coming back. For a while, we had no idea who they were talking about. And then some lady actually attached an image of you doing a trick with her son. And I'm looking at this image. It's definitely you. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, so so what do you guys, you want to bring me back? And she's like, yeah, we're going to have you do our Easter show. So I gave him like some quote that was obviously too low. And then like a thousand people showed up to this Easter show. And man, it was like, it was mind blowing. But also I, I hadn't done a professional show at that point. So I just completely sucked and bombed terribly, got a horrible sunburn, didn't take care of myself, had no speaker, lost my voice, tragic. But I was like, I, I ran into enough people that day who thought it was something that they decided to book me. And that snowball effect occurred and I just ended up like, uh, yeah, I just ended up building a career off of that one moment, which is absolutely nuts. And you, you do know what Keys of Minion is, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> Which, by the way, everyone, I did look up the definition of soliciting. Um, don't ask me why. It only applies to prostitution, according to Google. What? But, oh, yeah. But I thought that was funny. So basically, look at you. From... By Google, you mean Urban Dictionary? No, I mean... Oh, my gosh, it does. The Google definition, uh, which is polling from the Oxford uh, English Dictionary, the action of, or fact of accosting someone and offering one's or someone else's services as a prostitute. So yeah, from prostitution of like internationally known magic. Look at you, Chris. That's exactly what I was doing. I was doing card tricks and then trying to fuck people. And tricking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was doing different types of tricks. Wow. No, that's look at you. Also, no, but in general. Um that's amazing. The whole story. My question is, whose idea was it to book a magician for an Easter show? I probably could pull up the lady's name. Not that I want to put it no, in no, my no. email somewhere. I just mean, like, the philosophical. Like, if you think of, like, the crazy Baptist people who are against Harry Potter and everything, why are you hiring a magician for Easter? Yeah, I guess it's, you know, you got to be open that it's just tricks and that, you know, you do it in goodwill. And, hey, you know, magic can be used to spread for all those angry Christians out there at magic. Could be used to spread God's grace in its various forms. Peter chapter four, verse ten. Um, even got, I've got an appearance on the Seven Hundred Club coming up soon, which is probably not a great place to plug this because I've dropped the f bomb. Um, hopefully, they never ever see this. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm wearing a pride shirt. Like I'm sure we're fine. Yeah, that's that's and that's something I actually really, you know, debate myself late at night and stay awake. Is like, 
you know, I, I live a very like modern lifestyle and I, I, I do, you know, I, I do tend to swear and I, you know, I could be a little out there at times, but I am, you know, I am a Christian and I do, I was raised that way and I do believe in God, but I guess also I know that like my intentions are good and that that's sort of what I feel comfortable in. You know what I mean? Please do not worry about being a hypocrite of being down with the gays and still going on the 700 club. Yeah, true, Respect true. your money. We all eat Chick-fil-A. Um, <laughs> like, let's be real people. I had it for yeah, breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's the Lord's chicken, Danny. The Lord's chicken. The good Christian chicken is what my friend was told at Regent University, a Christian university. I did a show for Chick-fil-A headquarters. I had to take their logo off my website because I had a lot of like People I've never heard of before emailing me a little bit upset. I'm like, hey, I don't, you know, I didn't do it for the hate of the gays or anything. I just did it because at the time I love Chick-fil-A and they reached out and I'm not going to say no to that. But this was before that whole thing, too. So I was a little bit shocked by that. But, uh, yeah, it does suck that Chick-fil-A, um, you should be comfortable in who you are. And God love, you know, God hung out with prostitutes. Jesus hung out with prostitutes. So. I'm sure he has no problem with, uh, you know, little man-on-man love. Or whoever. Yeah, or whoever. You're right. You are right. Sorry, I'm also stalling because the train's passing me. I, For those who've been around long enough, you know I live next to a train station. So I didn't know that. Very Studio Ghibli, very Miyazaki anime of you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I just try not to blow out your ears if you are on headphones as well. Oh my god, we have not, we're only on the first question of the magician thing. God, I'm so happy at us that we're so good at tangenting. Um, but how do you prescribe to the never reveal their tricks philosophy? Because you kind of already were talking about stuff earlier, so yeah. Um man, I'm so there are some tricks that have just become so commonplace that it's okay to teach and share publicly. Like it's like a it's like a story once it's in the public. Uh, what is it called? The public um, domain. It's kind of okay. There are tricks that are in the public domain, and I'm okay with sharing those. But I think that there are some things that are better kept secret, and there are some techniques that really are, you know, very, very, very important to us that don't get out in the public because without it, I don't have the entertainment value. It's not that I want to fool you and make you think what I'm doing is not possible. It's just that I want you to have that feeling of shock and that feeling of of wonder. And if you're not able to wonder how something is done because you already know, uh, what's you know, my career becomes obsolete and I lose a job. The feeling of a trick being out in public is very akin to probably what somebody feels about like AI right now replacing their job. Um, a yeah. very apt metaphor. I'm very yeah. impressed. Yeah, that was a great metaphor. Wow, I can't top that. That was a good metaphor, everyone. <laughs> So you already described what inspired your love for it. So, oh, what skills do you think it takes to be a good magician? Boy, I can get into this. So uh, the best magicians in the world, like technically at sleight of hand, are usually like the worst performers because they spend all their time crafting one move meticulously to make sure there's no possible way anyone can see how it's done. They worked on the zero of connecting to the audience. Someone who balances this well somehow in an odd, ungodly way is Shin Lim. Shin Lim, I, I mean, he has people skills and he, he's very charming, but he's just a sleight of hand genius. That's why he did so well in America's Got Talent was because he could blend those two things beautifully. But most people, they can't. You're either really good at the sleight of hand or you're a really good performer. 
And I think that people who know how to engage a crowd, be interesting, be genuine, that is for me the mark of a good magician. It, it, the tricks are secondary because you don't need tricks to have people have a good time, but you do need to be a human and they do need to enjoy your presence. Creeping people out, like 90% of magicians, unfortunately, uh, it's not very memorable or comfortable. Wow, creeping people out. Um, I'm no disrespect, those are my people, you know? No, I'm just saying, I have never had that experience with a magician. I love seeing the shows, I love everything about it, and just happy to know that I have not encountered a bad one either. That's actually really good that that's changing culturally, because I do feel more and more people have a respect and an admiration for, for magic these days, which rocks. When I first got into it, it was either like, you were David Copperfield, Chris Angel, which some people cringe, some people love, or you were like an old dude who was like the uncle at the party, you know, that kind of vibe, you know, big fat white New Balances and barbecue master. <laughs> nah, uh, I don't know. I just like the wonder. I Exactly everything you're saying. I love the shock. I love the wonder. And heck yeah. Yeah. So what are some skills you randomly picked up along the way on your magician journey? I inadvertently became like a human lie detector. I can tell things about people without them even knowing it, which I try to turn off because it's not helpful for me to ruminate on that. Like I can have you think of something and know what you're thinking of, like down to the detail. Uh, you want to try? Um, sure. Okay. So I know this is most everyone. I said most, most strike that everyone is going to be listening to this in an audio form. So I'm going to try to explain step-by-step step what's going on. Um, what I'm going to have you do is is uh, think of a celebrity and have that person in your mind. And, and also, you're going to think of a random word. Okay. Okay. And you have these in your mind? Yep. Now, to be transparent, before the interview, I asked you to think of this person. But I, I in no way had you tell me to, to, to think of it or uh, to say it out loud. I did not instruct you to write it down. Anything you've done is of your own volition. And I have not seen, heard, or know what you're thinking, right? Literally, because it took me forever to pick. <laughs> cool. Beautiful. So I just said, uh, Danny, what I want you to do is, is choose a celebrity, go deep in the cut of your mind, and really focus on this person because it's somebody I would never guess. If you want, at some point during the interview, I'll try to get it from your mind. And you said, cool. And then we started rolling. Yeah. Uh, so everyone's caught up to speed. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. Anything I'm missing from that? No. Okay. Uh, I have a blue notepad here. I'm going to look at you, and I'm going to ask you a few questions about this person you're thinking of, Okay. Okay. Is this person special to you in some way that was like, did, did they create who you are at all? No. Okay, they did not. Um, is it somebody that you like recently or from your early years? Recenter than early years. Okay. How famous are they? If you think you asked a random person our age on the street, would they know who this person is? What percentage likelihood? 50-50, depending where they're from. Depending on where they're from. Okay. Um, I want you to look me in the eyes. We're on a, a stream yard, but people can't see us. But you are going to look me in the eyes, which you're probably looking at the lens. But I, I was going to say the, the camera eyes or <laughs> No, I want you to look, I want you to look at the screen at me, okay? Okay. And I want you to breathe in. Breathe out. And then Starting from the letter A, say the letters of the alphabet into the microphone. 
A, B, C, D, E, F, G, mm-hmm. H, I, J, K, L. Stop. Your voice went flat and monotone on the letter J. Is the first letter of this person's first name J? Yeah. Think about where in the world they're from. Just think. You looked up, you looked up and kind of to the right. Is this somebody who's from an, another country across the, the pond, so to speak? Yeah. This is a UK artist? Yeah. Ah, now I know it's an artist too, by the way. Kind of tricked you into that. Oh, shit, um, you're right. I was writing something. I would be shocked if you know who this person is. Um, recently had a song with Nicki Minaj. Not recently, but, you know, when I found out about them. I'm going to uh, turn this over and then say the name. You're going to tell me if this is correct. I wrote down Jesse yeah. Nelson. Yeah. You know, it's, you're not blown away by that? Uh, well, once you said Nicki Minaj. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. I, I was like, out. yeah, that's definitely it. <laughs> On my notepad. So you're just seeing the first page of the notepad. Uh, you changed your mind. There was somebody that you thought of first before you thought of Jesse Nelson. Is that true? Like the very first person that popped in your head. Because you said it took you a while to think of it. I'm assuming you you went through several iterations of who 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 to choose, right? Yeah. Why don't you think of the first person that popped in your head and say their name? Joe Brogy. Joe Brogy, look at what I have on the next page. Wow. It is Joe Brogy, everyone, by the way, for those who cannot see. <laughs> and, and 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 by the way, what was the, the first letter of the completely random word you chose? O. First letter was O. Um, we're going to say that word out loud on the count of three. Okay. One, two, three. Occasions. Occasions. Wow. Honestly, as sad as it is, I'm most impressed you were able to write on the second post-it <laughs> without bending the pages. <laughs> Thank you. Thank like, you. that alone, I'm like, that deserves, like, the biggest praise, let alone how you knew. Because, again, people, when we were doing this earlier, the person did not even have a Wikipedia page. I wanted to choose Joe Brogy because I was instructed to pick the most, like, obscure person on Earth. I could think of. And I was like, okay, let's do voice actors. Yeah. But you didn't say that to me. This was all happening on your own. Like I didn't, I wasn't able to see anything that you were searching. I didn't really even know what you were looking up about these people. I just knew that you, I told you to think of somebody and you were doing some research to try to find them. Right. Yeah, totally. Literally. I was trying to figure out how to spell their damn names. Yeah. (laughs) But wow. Also, I did not even realize I chose the same letter for both of their names. Uh, yeah, I kind of picked up on that as I was going through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't normally – most people do laser in on one person, but I could tell that you you changed your mind. I, I thought maybe if I can go for – I figured it would be somebody – I was getting kind of like a young Neil Patrick Harris vibe, and I was trying to put together who that might be. And Joe Brogy was the one that I, you know, I think best represented maybe why you have a love for magic. Oh, shit, you're right. I forgot he does magic. Yep, yep. Fuck. How do you know who Jesse Nelson is? I'm deep in the depths of finding music on SoundCloud and Spotify, and I have these radios to constantly discover new music. Actually, you know, I know where I, where I found Jesse Nelson. Uh, Tesla has specific Tesla radios. I don't know if people know this, but they curate music uh, based on the genre you like. And uh, on the, interesting enough, not on like the hip hop, 
um, uh, radio station, but on the alternative hits station, the Nicki Minaj song they did. What was it called? Like uh, it starts with a B. Boys. Um, boys. Yeah. The the song Boys came on, and that's how I was first introduced. Wow. Okay. Also, I guess I should ask. Did you know who Joe Brogy was? I'm familiar. I th- I think of him as like a young faced, almost Disney looking magic actor guy. Yeah, I know him because he's a voice in Fire Emblem. So that's why I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, shout out. You know, for yeah. all my Fire Emblem characters, House of what is it? Three Three Houses? Something. Three Houses. I haven't played it. No, and I just started playing it again. That's why I was like, okay, let me pick him like there because you I had no idea list. that that he did the voice. Yeah, of one of the millions of characters. Wow. Holy cow. I'm still thinking like, like, wow. Also, very impressed till you were able to write on or however it was manifested. Maybe you didn't write it. You never know. I don't. Part of that reveal, you know, gotta be gotta be a few steps ahead. Yeah. Okay, so on you also told me that you performed for the British royal family. Mm-hmm. How did that come to be, and which members? Uh, it was really just Princess Beatrice, um, primarily, but I, I love the title of British royal family. It's much cooler. Uh, Princess Beatrice and I were at the United Healthcare Children's Foundation event that they did for a golf tournament in Minnesota. Yeah, just outside Minneapolis, and... Um, she was there. I was doing some strolling magic. She was one of the speakers that night, and we connected that way. And um, it was really awesome. And she she posted me on her story and actually messaged me on Instagram, which is shocking, shockingly unprincess-like, but that's right. how she communicated. And just told me that she loved it and wanted to stay in touch. And um, yeah, I, I don't know if she follows me still, but I definitely follow her. And I feel like I have a direct line to the, to the royal family, which is kind of cool. Right. And she's married. So, wow. I guess you're not pulling a Meghan Markle, but... So. <laughs> yeah, I had nothing to do with the Andrew thing. I didn't kill the queen, none of that type of stuff. No, 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 no. <laughs> also, why was she in, in like the middle of nowhere or <laughs> in middle in, of you America? You about Princess Beatrice? Yeah. Well, I guess they they probably paid to fly her across the water and do this. And maybe she has some sort of connection. Maybe she had some sort of health issue when she was younger. Uh, it's been a few years, so I don't remember. She probably mentioned it in her speech, but uh, yeah, it was very touching. Very cool, very cool moment. My whole family was there too. Um, my brother was also involved in United Healthcare Children Foundation. He's actually one of like the mascots that year, which is really really cool. So, um, yeah, shout out to my brother Lucas. Diabetes is no joke, especially when you're super young going through that. Yep, my whole family is diabetic. <laughs> oh wow, has that trickled down to you at all? Nope, I'm adopted, so it's not my genetics. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, so now I, I see what you're saying. But literally, my parents, all of my aunts and uncles, all of my grandparents, my dog. Um, I have lived in a diabetes world my whole life. Right. And, and yeah, actually, now I know when you, when you reference your family, I'll think, you know, your adopted family, of course, that makes, that makes sense. Oh yeah. I was adopted at seven months old. So, okay. <laughs> okay. That's another good point to help people reference that. But yeah, totally like my fam grew up in such a diabetic world and never realized how big of a thing it was until like last year. Because to right. me, I was like, oh, guys, they're going into diabetic coma. <laughs> Give them a gummy bear. They'll bounce back. <laughs> right. But apparently people are like, oh, no, like, blah, blah, blah. this is all the stuff that happens. Like, is it? Because I see them bounce back. But like, so, yes, 
I very much on pro-education on diabetes. I understand it's a huge life shift, but it's something you could easily live a full life with everyone. Yeah, totally. And that, that's part of what, what's so touched about my brother's story is just that adjustment being so young and, you know, it kind of came out of nowhere. And there was a lot of health issues when we didn't really know that was the issue that we we're trying to diagnose. And my family, as I've mentioned before, um, I think they're doing better financially now. I'm not too sure, but they they struggled a lot with the finances. So throwing insulin in the mix, which was getting very expensive, was very, very hard. So the United Healthcare Children's Foundation actually funded, I think, a year of insulin or two years of insulin, which was like really a godsend. And um, yeah, I can get even wow. emotional talking about it. it was really a blessing for us at the time. Was very two cool. years is actually a lot yeah yeah thank god for them seriously and then um not to glaze over that to go to the princess beatrice thing but um she was one of the and i've met like probably over 200 celebrities now in this career but the she was the first one that i met that i felt like wasn't real because not through her personality or anything but as a kid especially being into fantasy you know you 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 princesses are like a, a thing that you feel like you're never gonna meet that like don't really exist and you look at a princess, you know, face to face, and she's like astonishingly human. It's just a weird, like, melding of the fantasy world and the real world. It was just like, wait, this is a real royal princess in front of me. And then, like, tr trying to figure out, like, the cultural importance of that versus, like, what it really means. And it just being a word was kind of shocking, you know? Yeah, no, that's the dream of many people to meet a prince, a princess. Um, no, I can only imagine. Also, did not know that you met so many famous people. Any other um, names you want to drop? Oh man, when I was doing Instagram live stuff during the pandemic, I did um, I did an interview like this with LL Cool J, which is cool. I did um, I'm trying to think of things that would be relevant. Kai Sinat, who won Streamer of the Year on YouTube before he was really big, and I were doing stuff. Ron Suno, um, gosh, there's literally hundreds. Uh. Post Malone, Wiz Khalifa, Big Ed. Actually, I have some interesting stories about Post Malone. I was supposed to do something with his beer bongs and Bentley tour, but I wasn't 21. So that Noah, who was his booking manager in New York at the time, uh, put the put the legality down on that one, so that didn't work. Uh, tons. Go to my Instagram. There's a bunch. Uh, oh, uh, I'm really close with Lil Wayne's daughter, which is kind of crazy. So random, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's she's awesome. And so is her father, too, apparently. Like, knowing who he is as a father is is really cool. Alrighty, so you are in with Lil Wayne's daughter. That's awesome. Um, yeah, wow. You really have gotten into a lot of musicians or just know, have interacted with. I don't know your relationship with these people. <laughs> Mostly through entertaining, like uh, doing collaborations or, or videos with them mostly during the pandemic was when I really kind of like blew up on social media for a while. Uh, and I was, they were looking for ways to engage their audience and I was doing a lot of like live streams and it was just, uh, they would come on or I would go to them and do stuff like YK Osiris was one that he came onto mine. And then yeah, it was very cool. I'm glad I saw that opportunity and took it instead of just, uh, doing nothing with my life during the pandemic. Yes. And now look at you reaping rewards bamboozling high-powered people into believing in wonder again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So something less abstract that you're into is Airsoft. So because Airsoft is such a regional thing, can you describe what it is for people who literally don't know? Yeah, so there's two types of Airsoft, but but at its core, it's those uh, BB guns that don't shoot the metal BBs, but shoot plastic BBs. And people go out there in full military outfits as if it's a real war and shoot at each other and play dead. It's a big nerdy fest, but very cool and very fun. But the two types are milsim, which is military simulation, which is in a way a little bit more badass. And then there's like kind of like the street hip hop Japanese style, which is uh, speedsoft, which is more like tournaments and has a very different culture. I do dabble in both, but speedsoft is really the real deal for me. Nice. I didn't know there were two different types. Uh, yeah. But why is it called airsoft when it is by no means soft? Those things hurt. I have no idea. I guess compared to a real bullet. <laughs> yeah, no clue either. So what got you into it? Because that's not New York. <laughs> no, definitely not. You can't, I don't even know if you'd be able to own these up there. I'm sure you would. You just have to control it like a real rifle. I don't know. I got into it. Um, I guess a few of my friends had them when I was in middle school, and it was super cool. And I got into it way back then and then fell out of love with it. And then, believe it or not, YouTube in the year 2020 yeah in 2022 april of 2022 my little brother started watching some youtube videos i was watching i was like the one reason i didn't get super into it was because i never had money to buy the gear now i had money to buy all the gear i wanted so i bought us all guns and we started playing in the in our in my mom's big backyard and then i started looking at places to play you know on a more formal scale and i was bit by the bug ever since Okay, wow. Um, so, because it basically is playing mini war, what makes it so thrilling for you? Um, well, before I got into psychology, I thought I was going to be an army ranger, which now to be a magician is so different. So I get to kind of live that part of what I wanted to do and work on the the you know the tactical side of it. Um, plus, also you know cognition plays a role in this as well because I get to you know anticipate where people are going to go you know, sort of use intimidation tactics or like just strategy tactics to, to get the upper hand. Just very fun, very tactical. Like if, if, if anybody's ever played call of duty, who doesn't want to do call of duty in real life? It's, it's just like that. It's, it's so badass. It's so fun. And for me, who doesn't like my hobby is my job in magic. It's nice to have a hobby that there's nothing riding on it. I could just go have fun and come back home and it doesn't matter if I was good at it or not. I literally just had that conversation with my therapist today too. Yeah, what? You, what specifically though? About not having a hobby that I monetized. Sure. Yeah, you don't have any. You don't think? Oh, I'm on a journey of finding a new hobby that I have not capitalized on. Okay. And I and, don't and you want don't... to capitalize on the, any. Interesting. Interesting. Any leads on that? Like, do you have a? Absolutely not. Actually, okay. everyone. This is a good time to say this. I am mid-move, so this is probably the last oh. time you guys will have to deal with this train. Mm. Who knows what else you'll have to deal with at the new place, but I am mid-move, so I'm not figuring any of that out until I officially move. Okay, enlighten me on some hobbies other than, you know, things related to this that you've monetized. Like, well, what are some examples? I guess this is something I haven't monetized because I don't want to pay taxes. Sure, yeah, <laughs> but you could. You easily could. You're, you're putting the work in, but I mean, like, something else. No, okay, so stuff I have or have not monetized. Have 
that you have or are trying to? Uh, color guard, public speaking. Oh, wow. uh, oh God, what else do I do? Uh, choreography for all that stuff. I coach. Um, oh, yeah. I. Is there anything else? So here's here's if if there is something else, feel free to chime in on this. But here's something I'm, I'm thinking about. It's okay to have hobbies, not not to be your therapist, but that you don't monetize because, or that you do monetize because it just that's when your hobby becomes really important to you. You're creating it to be a part of your identity, and you're allowing it to be something that's productive for you, as long as it's not placing limitations on your life and it's not controlling and dictating your your schedule in a way that's stressful to you. I think it's fine. I mean, I think if you really love something, you should be good at it. Like, I, like with Airsoft, I don't make money off it. I would love to compete. I would love to go and do competitions. Like, I feel like I have the skill set for it. I'm, I know I made the joke about not being good at it, or at least not having to be. I am good <laughs> at it. I, I want to compete, you know? That's just because I love it so much. So for you, like with Color Guard or whatever, who cares? I mean, if you're, if you're trying to monetize it, that's, that's equally as valuable as something you don't, you know? Yeah. Um, actually, well, by the time this comes out, I guess it's okay to say it now. Um, I am actually retiring from coaching, at least for now, because mm. I've been doing it nonstop since 2012. Right, right. So part of me knowing my own limits of, yeah, um, I kind of want to experience a life where I'm not doing guard four days a week between yeah. May to April. Mm. So no, I'm going to go. I'm still involved. I'm still going to be like designing shows to people, sending choreography. So it's not like I'm like completely exiting the world. I'm exiting right the day to day to live yeah. life and f- discover other things. Right. 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 Which again, <laughs> I've tried this before. It did not stick. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> That's, like I said, if you really love something, you know, it's going to seep into your life no matter what. Yeah. But again, like what you were saying, I'm kind of like looking for that. That's my world. People. Um, if another guest ever calls me out, that's when you get the update. If not, you can email me at the shape of a star podcast at gmail.com. Reach out on Instagram, hold me accountable. People interact. Mm-hmm. And same goes. If you have any questions for the great Chris Michael here, reach out to, well, I guess you could reach out to Chris himself because apparently you answer everything. <laughs> and that's how princesses slide into your dms and i i tried to i recently changed my account settings on instagram and i lost seventy four thousand unread dms so if you were in there not that anybody listening to this would happen to be the same people who dm me but it's possible i have lost it um try again (laughs) i do i do not check my dms all the time but somehow instagram uses an algorithm to send me the ones that i think i'd be most interested in and uh, i will totally try to dig through them but otherwise uh, Chris at chrismikemagic.com is a good way to be connected. Um, yeah, I, that, that's my that's my serious email. I look at everything that goes in there. Yeah, and there's a phone number attached to that too on your website, which will be linked in the show notes and bio description, whatever it's called, everyone. So Yeah, that, that will be leading to an office where other people will answer the phone. But I'm sure if you're persistent enough and not threatening, <laughs> please don't threaten us, they will probably patch you through at some point. I mean, I got through somehow, everyone. You can, too. Another hobby you have, speaking of hobbies, is music. Yeah, so, I, yeah, totally. I don't know if you can hear the train, but that creating, listening, like, what part of music? Um, I used to be super into creating music. I used to love making lo-fi. 
kind of did it under a pseudonym for a while. And then I did, um, I've always played guitar. I've always played the drums. Uh, but now I'm, I'm more of just like a passive role. I love listening to it and analyzing it in the same way that you would have a book club for a book you love. I love to just get friends together and discuss an album that came out and listening parties are my jam. So down, by the way. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah, no, I never get to talk music theory with people. So, well, which is funny because I work in marching bands, but I do the dance side and they do like music theory of classical stuff that I never heard of. Music theory intimidates me. I don't know, you know, I know like the circle of fifths and a few, you know, a, a few scales, but um, I, I'm more like the creative composition of it. And, and nowadays music is almost a part of its marketing, you know, like trying to find that unique sound or things that sound good. The the layering of vocals, the the lyric structure, like stuff like that. I love to just analyze and look at and try to also see where does this music compare to where the artist is in its life. And yes. I, I really like albums that, are portraying that as opposed to just like you you can't draw the comparison it just sounds good which is fine i mean it's speaking to somebody you know yeah so what are your preferred genres within the music i'm a big even though i try to fight i'm a big punk rock uh or punk pop i should say like i'm a big emo fan midwest emo love people like mac demarco so the indie scene is huge for me um i'm shockingly into something that i wouldn't you wouldn't think it'd be into and based on my pri- my prior music taste doesn't at all fit, but I'm into this group called Carly in the universe, which is super cool. Um, metalcore, love metalcore. I'm into some heavy stuff. I, I run the gambit. I mean, Skrillex is releasing new music for the first time in like what? Eight years. That's it's blowing the taint off my body. It's insane to see him make, you know, his rise up in the scene again. It's so cool. I like, hyper pop and I, I the passion i have for music is in the difference in the genres and watching people genre swap and i just all of it give me all of it i country i could take or leave old country fine folk fine but like pop country i leave that one that's dutch folk jazz i listen to that flectones the band i mean anything German pop, surprisingly, has been my jam for a while. Okay, that might be one I haven't dabbled in, but I I could see myself being into it, you know? I respect it. It just randomly popped up on Spotify for me, and I listened to the song, and I was like, oh, this would be an excellent guard show. (laughs) And that's when I fell down that rabbit hole. So, no, yeah. Uh, Pop punk, one of my favorite genres. So (laughs) Right on. It's so good. It's so good for no reason. Right. I don't, it's just so expressive and I don't know. It's, there's, there's a, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I know that's bad, bad form, but oh, no, uh, there's a comedian who does a bit on TikTok. I'm sure, I mean, it's not made for TikTok. I did it on stage, but it's on TikTok about um, like the more you listen to pop punk lyrics, the more you realize that they're like trying to date 15 year old girls in the summertime. <laughs> um, it's so funny. It's like, uh, He's like, I know I'm 32, but I want to go to your prom. It's like, <laughs> it's, very, it's just, it's so funny. It, they like, li- they talk about their teenage drama loves from high school and they're in their 40s, you know? It's Absolutely. Epic. <laughs> it's epic. And as someone who feels like they're 16 at heart, <laughs> I yeah. am the demographic, everyone. <laughs> same, same. I have same. felt 16 at heart since I was like eight. No, I was like five. You show it, though. You show it. You've got that youthful energy to you. Thanks. 
I've actually been dabbling in that idea. So I've had gray hair since I was eight, everyone. And well, I don't know why I'm showing the world because it's a podcast. I've had gray hair forever. And my hair head is about a third gray now, but I'm like salt and peppering. And I was wondering, I was like, if I dyed my hair black, would I subconsciously be seen as younger by people because mm, of my spunky sure. energy? But also like, you can't really tell because it looks like highlights in my hair. But I also personally have always said I would love to go full gray. If I went full gray and I'm as young and spry as I am, that's also edgy and cool. It also, is. Edgy. You'd be like a, a Final Fantasy character come to life, you know? I was thinking, uh, what's his face? Um, Sasha Shomaru. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Or like any Bleach character ever. Yeah. And also, it's so much easier to dye your hair when it's not black. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I embrace all of my hair type. I love my hair. But I wish it would pick a side. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, not about me. So, you because you were a creator of music, you have your song, Song of Your Dreams. You have to design a music video of your own. Oh, what wow. are you doing? Oh my gosh. Okay. I would do math rock would be for sure the genre. So I'm like, I love math jazz. Rock. You do? Holy crap. Blowing my mind. Wow. That's That rules. Yeah. Math rock is awesome. It's not people singing about math. It's like, you know, advanced guitar techniques and time signatures and almost like a dreamlike kind of vibe. It's very cool. I would do something like that and I'd be like doing weird adult swim type music videos. Like, you know, the weird transition screens would be doing stuff like that. I think something kind of like catches people off guard, getting that irreverent style in there, you know, Throwing tomatoes in the toilet, closing the seat, opening it, it's salsa in there. All the people are gathered around there using it as dip. Yeah, that rules. Huh. And what's the genre <laughs> of the song? It'd be math rock. Oh, duh, you just said that. We literally... Yeah, yeah. Come on, come on. Sorry, world. Sorry. I was so busy, caught up with people eating poop chips that... <laughs> Yeah, I'm pissed. It's math rock, bro. What other reason are you going to eat poop chips too? Come on. And it's not poop chips. It's a clean toilet. Very clean toilet. But the floor would be like checkered and there'd be like pictures of bathrooms on the wall. I, I can envision. I can envision this, you know. I put on the spot, but I, I've, I've already, I never thought about this a day in my life, but I've got it. I've got it together. Really? Oh, someone as performative as you. I make up my own music videos every day of my life. No, I'm not a psychopath. So it doesn't, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but I frequently think of like, if my life was a musical right now is when it would start. Ironically, even though nothing I dream about, like, you know, I didn't, none of this came to fruition today necessarily, but I do often ask myself, like, when I'm doing something, how am I going to talk about this in the interview that I'm doing, you know, in a few years? And then I do a lot of interviews and I, I, it's never real to me that like, oh, these are the moments I dreamed about. I got to talk about those things, but I guess the way we do, it's just, it's more real, you know, than your fantasy version of it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Which is why we're now we're moving into games, because you kind of mentioned it earlier, and I'm fascinated. What games do you play? Man, I used to have such a cool, like, different variety of games. Now I'm a little bit more, like, I've grown. I used to love MMORPGs. I was a World of Warcraft fan when I was in fifth grade. Played RuneScape. Um, man, I got, I got super into this game called Crystal Saga that probably no one knows. Oh, I know Crystal Saga. <laughs> it's just, it's like a browser-based MMO. It was awesome. 
And then um, I played like every MMO under the sun. I've tried it all. Black Desert Online, Rift Online, Lord of the Rings Online. I've tried every MMO searching for that, you know, chasing the dragon of World of Warcraft. Uh, and then I, I recently found, and Final Fantasy fourteen is by far the best MMO I've ever played. It was so good that I had to quit because I was just, couldn't think about anything but that. So now I play platformers on my Switch and Fortnite and Warzone, and that is it. I try to keep it simple. I try not to touch anything else. I like what I like. That's it. No, I feel that. That's how I figured out. Um, give me one player RPGs, JRPGs, mm. RPGs. As long as it's one player, don't give me someone else I have to rely on. Is J Japanese, like Japanese yeah. RPG? Okay, like I love I love that Kingdom type of Hearts. stuff. Too. Yeah, totally. Yeah, my style is based on Kingdom Hearts, by the way. Like my actual like aesthetic. If you guys look me up on the internet, um, some of my more recent pictures on Instagram and Facebook, especially around if you go go back and look at like March or February, you'll see some of my more out al- my outfits are very Kingdom Hearts inspired. Yes, they are. Um, you already answered the consoles you play on. So what games pop in your head as favorites? Um, yeah, I think right now Hollow Knight really deserves a shout out. It's a it's a solo platformer that took my breath away. Uh, there's nothing that I can say that people haven't already raved about online. It's a great platformer, and I really encourage people to get into it for sure. I actually know that game. I watched my friend stream it. Very fun. Yeah, super in-depth, very addicting it's a great game and it's one of those things once you're done you set it down you move on to the next one and that that's very fulfilling and rewarding you know that is actually the common review i've heard that like once you're done you are just satisfied and never go back yeah you put in so much effort up front it's not like these games that try to keep pulling you back in with downloadable content there isn't a dlc which like for a game like this you'll see it's very appropriate and, and very well justified but games that are trying to keep you in the loop and never get you off of it it's a little tired you know yeah, totally feel that. Um, so the game, the question I love to ask, if you were to be isekai into a game world, where are you going? I think I'm going to like that Final Fantasy 14 world because the beauty of an MMO is that there is like a real life you can live in there. I could live a life where I have a nice home and I go fishing and I cook. And if I want to kill things, I can kill things and not be morally judged for it like I will in this world, you know? Uh, not that I have that desire, but a game where there's just diversity. Uh, but man, gosh, and Final Fantasy is such a good answer because it's beautiful. The people there are super nice. The community is great. Yeah, that one hundred percent the answer. I don't even think I need to like. Yeah, I don't even need to get into it anymore. I feel satisfied with that. All right, and what kind of character are you going to be now that you're sucked in to Aorzia? Yeah. Oh, you know. Oh, wow. I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna be one of those cat boys, Kote. Gotta be. <laughs> Gotta be edgy enough. I mean, who wouldn't be a cowboy? We, we're all <laughs> picking it. <laughs> just want to have a tail. So, you know, if I get to, if I'm going to be isekai'd into a game, might as well like be a different, a different species entirely. You know, see what that's all about. But what class are you going for? I like rogue classes. I like glass cannons. So, like anything that's really DPS oriented, and uh, that's their main role. I'm super into that. I can't. I guess. Yeah, I would say it's samurai or something like you know anything that that's adjacent to a high damage output. Just so fun. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Fashion you've already talked about. Kingdom Hearts is how you found your inspirations. Is there anywhere else? Right on. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of just doing me. I feel like I'm expressing myself for the first time in my life accurately. Like, 
I'm really getting a good sense through therapy and through being in a healthy relationship and, you know, sort of achieving some success in my career where I have time to think about who I am for once. And I'm not afraid to show that. And I feel like I do have, because I'm a reverend, I have a little bit more of an edgy personality and sense of humor. You know, I do tend to think that I'm like, I want to look youthful and I love aggressive looks, but I'm not an aggressive person. Um, I love just the Japanese style of things. Like, I'm not like a weeb in, in that sense of like how I dress, but I dress like sh Japanese street war core. I don't know why. I don't know why I got into that, but I do. I, I, I am totally into that. Hey, and it works. And people could check out your photos, like you said. Please do. I need uh, all the the vanity I can I can take. Please, you know, <laughs> weigh my spirit down with your with your comments. <laughs> the engagement helps the algorithm, and that's how Chris gets to meet more random people. That's true. That's how I get booked. That's that that really is it. You know, people find me at the right time, and they want to take their take their brand or their company and show them something they haven't seen before, and wake them up, energize them, and deliver a powerful message. They only find that out because I wear sick outfits and you guys comment on them weird way of getting about it but it, but that's true i mean are we gonna fight it no <laughs> say what just like we're not gonna fight it whatever gets you oh, the jobs oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and by the way people if this guy named chris seems familiar to you let's review chris has been featured on netflix prime video America's Got Talent, CBS, The Walking Dead, True TV, has over 74.7 followers on Instagram and 3.3 thousand followers on TikTok. Yeah, like 30,000. 30, I had a lot more on TikTok and I, I just don't post on there anymore. But uh, yeah, thanks for that. That's awesome. I actually, I, I featured on is a weird way to put it because I, I'm a consultant for these TV shows to help them come up with good narratives storylines and in the case of America's Got Talent, like privately consult for talent, which I'm sort of putting the brakes on because I'm working on some of my own TV appearances and I can't keep giving all my good away, my ideas away. Um, so yeah, I don't know that I, I've definitely consulted behind the scenes for a lot of big shows and that's definitely given me an audience. And I'm very grateful for it, but I do feel a little bit weird when I like see a poster of myself and people say as seen on AGT or as seen on the walking dead, that's totally not true. And it feels dishonest because it's like, I, I am there to support the people who are brave enough and not that I'm not brave, but you know, I have a different in incentive structure in this case to get on there and boost their career. And I don't want to take away from that. And I am no way trying to borrow the distinction uh, from being on that show. I simply want people to know that I'm the type of person who's had the success and the connections to work on scenes like this and draw the best out of entertainers. And I think that when you see just Joe Smo magician, who's just starting and a guy who's had these opportunities to work on these TV shows, I know that my show is better from having those experiences than the random guy. And that's why I think it's important that I let people know that I've worked on these shows, but yes, it is a constant battle of mine to see the as seen on logos on people's posters that I make of me. Cause it's, it's totally not true. <laughs> I mean, your influence was seen. Yeah, and like some of the tricks that I've created are are, are seen on there. And um, like in the case of The Walking Dead, there's straight up magic that's in one of the seasons. I don't want to spoil anything, and I'm on an NDA for that. But The Walking Dead Worlds Beyond, there's several magic moments that happen that I'm just off camera, you know, kind of coaching the person through it or, or pulling the strings, so to speak. And in some cases, literally, 
to make it happen. And, you know, I want the world to, I don't, I, I don't want my effort to go unannounced. What's the point in doing it? If I, you know, what to make a few thousand dollars for something that I should have been paid way more for because the director yelled at me and made me cry. You know, <laughs> I should, I want to do it, those opportunities and put myself through that. So I, I can let people know that I, I have worked in those places and they can trust me because people with a, a huge reputation risk are trusting me. That makes sense. It also makes sense why you, you were, how you were on world beyond because yeah. that's the one that films in Richmond. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 It filmed a lot. A lot of private plantations, unfortunately are in Richmond still to this day. I mean, they're not thankfully and hopefully run the same way they were before, but there is a lot of land owned by families that have been passed down. So it's, beautiful for filming because they don't have to go through all the legality of public land and they have weddings people like oh beautiful weddings just google it you'll see like top wedding venue places for any plantations like i recommend people look Mm -hmm. historically not the best place to be currently how we have changed what a plantation could be used for aka mostly weddings and events (laughs) yeah all good (laughs) like yeah also, I think it's funny, too, because when you scroll right down below that, wow, I think I may be speechless for the first time in my life. Chris, your magic was stunning. Princess Beatrice, royal family. Oh, yeah, there you go. I don't know where you're finding this, but yeah, right on. I've got I've got so many quotes and things like that. I can't keep up with them, but the ones that have really made an impact on me, I try to showcase. I am on the homepage of chrismikemagic.com. With over 2,000 performances, 600 reviews, 15 million online views, and not only is this guy a success, he is a benevolent magician. 18 million plus dollars made for charity or earned for charities. Yeah, it's definitely way more than that now. But um, yeah, that's I, I go to events where there's a lot of big time auctions and working with these celebrities and, and royal families. People are really to, to give money. There are people who are donating, you know. $20,000 for a steak dinner, you know, to support the cause. And part of what my magic does is loosen up that crowd, get them interacting, get people thinking about the importance of why they're there. And um, yeah, I, I definitely want to take credit for some some of that money that was raised. But uh, yeah, it's certainly more than that now. That was maybe as of like last year. And let's talk about these past audiences, everyone. Reed Smith, the World Bank, World Space Congress, Facebook, the FBI, Lockheed Barton, Oh, God, I don't know what this logo is. I always think it's like the Gerber baby, but it's not. Um, something with four circles. SpaceX. Some British... Oh, I guess it's the British Royal Family logo. LL Cool J. The Osiris Timing. 90 Day Fiance. Deloitte. Home Depot. Something with scales of Virgo. Washington Commanders. Caesars Entertainment. Um, something that looks government-y that I guess I should know, but don't. Probably VC, FBI. Probably. No, wait, FBI was a different one. I don't know what this one is. VCU, UMW, Kaiser Permanente, and Booz Allen Hamilton. Right on. And probably a ton more places. Tons more. I I think the scales was the uh, the, uh, Supreme Court. I got to do a, a cool retreat for them. I got to host... Yeah, I got to host a retreat for some of the Supreme Court justices and their staffs, and it was like, that was an awesome event. Super wow. cool. Yeah, it was very fun. See, people, um, this officially might make Chris our most like prolific celebrity we've had on this. Jeez, <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Trust me, I've had some cool people on, but not everyone could say they've had royalty slide into their DMs. 
It's also interesting because it, it's like with anything, once you've achieved it, it melts away and you feel like it's not, you know, you haven't done anything. Like, I, I don't know that, I think people dream of what it feels like to do all this and it feels the exact same way that you guys feel right now. You know, it is nice because it does give me confidence. It does allow me to open doors that otherwise I wouldn't be able to open. But, and I know that seems like, oh, but that would still, that's the one thing I need. But you still, like, there's still this imposter syndrome and there's still, like, I still eat cereal in my underwear in the morning and, like, wonder how am I going to get to this thing today? And in the same way that you guys probably have some more trust and respect for me after hearing that I do those things, I think some people who I'm trying to work with do as well. But I started with nothing and had to find a way to get into those people in the first place. Just, I took anything I can get. Like, I bumped into anybody who was moderately famous locally. I would do a quick thing for them and say, can you give me a quote about that? Or if you're trying to get into fashion, hey, could you give me one word to describe this outfit? That's actually how I got my first ever celebrity quote was Bob Gale, who wrote Back to the Future, was at a Richmond Comic Con I was doing for free for the International Brotherhood of Magicians. That's a mouthful. And I ran into him, did a quick trick where I changed a $1 bill into 100 was telling some jokes about it. And uh, I said, what do you think of that? And he goes, hilarious. And hilarious, Bob Gale, writer of Back to the Future. That was the first quote I ever had on my website. Wow. Which is leads us right into our next section, talking about sales strategies and marketing and how it's a special interest for you. So what's so special about sales strategies specifically? Because there's so many part of sales. Why is strategies the highlight for you? Freaking love this topic. As an entertainer, I learned that the entertainment wasn't what was going to make me successful. I could be the best performer in the world, as I mentioned, but if there's no one there to watch it, it didn't matter. What I learned was how to take my talent and my passion for something that I love and pitch it to people in a way that was appealing to them. And what I had to learn was that nobody cares about fun. You think you care about fun, but you really don't. People care about solving problems. And what is the problem somebody has? Like people are like, oh, I want my wedding to be fun. I want to hire a magician. Well, what you really are telling me is what I really want is to not be embarrassed in front of my friends and family and leave a legacy of a lame wedding. I'm afraid that there's going to be drama between the two sides of the family, whatever it is. That's the problem that I know how to sell to somebody to, to solve this for them, you know, to say, hey, I'm going to come in to your wedding while you're away taking pictures and can't supervise these people. I'm going to be there to be the host and the friendly face and give people something to do if they feel awkward or aren't quite making conversation. So by the time I'm done and I back away and go on to the next group, those people are talking like they've been friends for 100 years. And learning that selling people on their outcomes and solving their problem was the secret. I was able to supercharge my success. One And one more thing I'll say about this is like, you don't know how to solve people's problems until you ask them. Like when you get a call from somebody, you want to brag about what you do or or try to sell them. The number one sales strategy is to not talk at all. Just ask the question of, hey, what do you what do you have in mind for your event? They'll tell you. I heard you say this. Why is that important to you? They'll tell you. You don't have to say anything about what you do. You just have to listen and parrot that back to them and say, so I heard that you're planning on doing an event because of this. It sounds like what's most important to you from what you've told me is this. And I think I know just how to do that. I've done this type of thing many times before. I have some cool ideas that can help you. This is how much it's going to cost to make that happen. I don't have to tell them about my background. I don't have to tell them anything about me. But they, they know that I listened to them and heard them out. And I repeat it to them to show them that I was listening. And I approach them with confidence by saying, I can do that. I've done it before. Let me take your credit card. <laughs> oh, that's not really how it goes, but you know what I mean. 
he Chris will accept cash too. That's why. Um, <laughs> of course, of course. Money orders, um, <laughs> PayPal, Venmo, <laughs> and uh, entertainment. You know, entertainers get paid a lot of money, but I always think it's relatively cheap. I recently heard like if there's a thousand people in the audience, right? Or let's just use a wedding because I use that as an example for some reason, even though I don't, you know, I do those, but not. It's not my main thing. Weddings are my favorite thing on earth, so I'm here for it. Yeah. Okay. So there, you know, there's a hundred people at this wedding. And you're going to perform for, you know, you're going to go to each group for like five or 10 minutes. So five minutes times 100 is 500 minutes. You just gave people 500 minutes of content and entertainment that happened live, which is more valuable than YouTube TV or anything. 500 minutes of watch time on YouTube is a lot of money. You're solving a problem for people for 500 minutes. That is like, it's, it's incredibly cheap to make this impact. And furthermore on this, People pay tons of money for beautiful decor just to have that initial wow factor of their event, but it doesn't literally drop people's jaws. But what I do literally drops people's jaws. Like they will remember the feeling of their hair sticking up on their arm and getting goosebumps and then breaking down into tears because they're so amazed. And you're genuinely accepting that and allowing them to have that moment. Like what can you pay for on earth that gives people that experience? Like maybe the best movie they've ever seen in their life. But I do that multiple times a day. A very compelling speech. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Worked on it. And like what you described as open-ended questions, uh, paraphrasing back. I was like, God damn it. This is your psychology background coming in with through a different language. Stop sharing our secrets. I'm kidding. <laughs> Everyone should know how to listen to people and like understand things. Totally. But... <laughs> But I was totally like, no, I'm down with it. Um, I, I've heard that exact conversation said to me many, many times throughout my education, training, whatever you want to call it. But it's so true. And I never thought about applying it to sales. Yeah, people pick up the phone to talk, not to listen. That's the, that's the interesting thing. You know, people go to YouTube to listen. They don't pick up the phone to listen, right? They're picking up the phone. They want to talk. Let them talk. And that's how you're going to build trust, you know? Wow. Which leads into my next part is, so uh, it's no joke. I've been, I'm not a marketer. Mm -hmm. So it's something I've been looking into since like 2020. And I'm curious about like, what makes marketing just so important in your opinion, other than like your little life depends on it, but still like. Okay. Very cool. You get to control the narrative of who you are. You get to build the brand. Like you can be anybody you want to be, if everything about you screams that if you can find out who you want to be and just whenever people search for you show up in that way that is a superpower like that is that is something that we could have only dreamed of a few years ago and now anybody can have a website anybody can have a google my business listing like anybody can have an instagram although probably not for long um <laughs> you being able to control who you are and the digital space helps you manifest who you are in the real space. And that is a, a beautiful thing. And I think that's why marketing is, is so powerful. It gives us complete control over who we are to the public. Yeah. Um, nail on the head. And yeah, I don't know. Take that in, people. Chris is intel extremely wise. I was about to say intelligently wise. I'm like, wait, no, that makes no sense. <laughs> extremely wise um your wisdom scores through the roof for, i will diagnose that just kidding i don't <laughs> diagnose but um 
Yeah, no. Chris, I have been so fascinated by th- just sitting back and listening to you like go on and talk about things you're so passionate about. Like, I'm not going to say it's a damn shame because you're succeeding at life and honestly living an amazing story. You would have made such a good therapist. Ah, uh, I know. Yeah, in, a way, <laughs> in a way, I am. In a way, I am, you know? Yeah. But, okay, people, it's commercial time. So because we're talking about all our fun interests and, like, therapy, you probably have heard it before, but here we go. Geek Therapeutics wants you to feel like the superhero who defeated the villain in your favorite comic book. Imagine what it's like to be in an anime character's shoes. Feel proud during the moment, the instant you raised your arms in victory after conquering a Dungeons & Dragons quest. And cherish the moment you hugged your teammates after winning that esports tournament. They want... Geek Therapeutics wants you to use geek culture and all its artifacts, such as video games, anime, fan fiction, comic books, pop culture, esports, tabletop RPGs, and more to unlock the best version of yourself and others. All their stuff is approved by the APA, ACE, and NBCC, which is like the American Psychological Association, the thing we always have to cite through. Anyways, all those cool organizations approve their trainings and certifications. You can check them out at geektherapeutics.com. Use the special link in the description and subscribe to their awesome content and begin to learn how to mix the wonder of fun with bettering humanity. And please reach out if you have any questions because I am so down to answer because I went through most of those programs myself, got those certifications. And yeah, I just loved my the program so much. Those were the therapists I invited on, the people that created that. And just, I don't know. Commercial circulates throughout my shows now. Everyone, go work with it. That's amazing. That's my. That's my. They hit the target audience with me on that. Dang, that is very cool. Yeah. No. Um. I discovered them for, through a Facebook ad that actually worked. I was like, Oh God, this is real. That is so hype. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That. I'm gonna. Yeah. That's that's insane to me. That's like. That's why marketing is important. You. They get to decide who they wanted to be. Now people who subscribe to that are are all about it. That, that's so wild to me. That is so cool. Good you could also become a geek certified geek specialist, which is basically the same stuff, but you are not a therapist. So that's really geared for like teachers and other professionals that just don't want to be a mental health professional. We mm. just can't throw the word therapist on you, basically. Sure, right on. The trainings cool. are the exact same, basically. Um, you're doing the same things, and it's just... You're either a therapist or you're a specialist. Personally, I like being special, but I was already a therapist, so it's not like I can undo that without changing my whole life radically. So, yeah. Back to you, Chris. Um, So, are you ready for our rapid-fire questions? I'm so ready for this. Um, you, 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 you've... I feel like I'm just in the right place to like not filter myself so let's go okay don't feel pressure to be rapid because as you've heard none of us are fast <laughs> we tangent all the time okay question number one what are your chosen coping skills um okay video games a single cocktail and ribeye steaks hmm no one's said steak before. That's exciting. Love steak. Love cooking it. It's amazing. Good for you in some ways. <laughs> Have you ever been to Texas Day Brazil? I no, I actually have not. 
I've been told many times I need to go. I'm waiting for a special occasion, like Fogo de Chao or whatever the similar thing is. No, I, I'm a Texas State Brazil fan. I don't like Fogo de Chao. Um, I saw Lizzo at a Fogo de Chao once in Baltimore, speaking of crazy. I didn't interact. I just saw her and her entourage pulling out of their vehicles. I was on the sidewalk going in. I'm like, is that Lizzo? And I'm like, that's Lizzo. Wow. Shout um, out. Yeah. I, I, it, hey, listen, but if you if you tell me that's not what's up and Texas Day Brazil is better, I'll go to Texas Day Brazil. Uh, Yeah. No, we could go together. And we'll talk about that later because <laughs> I'm craving it lately. That's why I thought of it. Question number two. What show would you bring back? Adventure Time. It's time. Bring it back. <laughs> so good. People people didn't it was funny and not uh continuous, and then they got like deep into the lore and it became story driven and it was so good. And then like you literally will cry if you watch the whole thing. And then it ends and you're like it has a feeling of closing a book and being done with it and like there being a void in your life, like what now? This is the only show I watched that gave me that deep of a feeling of despair of it being over. Bring it back. When did it end? Years ago. And then they released uh, like a three-part thing on HBO Max that was super successful, um, but I'm still craving more. Yeah, I, I probably in my high school years, so I don't know what, maybe seven years ago? Wow, okay. I thought it was sooner, more recent. It could have been more recent. I could have been. Which fictional character would you want to end up with? Oh, like in a relationship? Yeah. OTP. Dang. And I think it's something that won't make my girlfriend angry. Um, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Let me think. That's a good fictional character. Okay. Dang, I'm getting like the most perverted answers in my mind, like the most out there ones, just like for shock value. I got to think for real, though. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. I, the more I try not to think about the most messed up answers, the more they come to my mind. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I was like, don't say Caillou. Don't say Caillou. <laughs> so it's just stupid. Um, okay. Fictional character, I guess. Um, Like, in her, like, adult form, like, she grew up and matured and, like, still lives in the town. Like, I, when I was younger, I had the biggest crush on Stephanie from Lazy Town. Like, that was, like, my oh. love. I, like, obviously, you know, I don't want to, you know, creep on a, on her for being young or anything. But, like, if she's grown and still has that same energetic, bubbly personality, it'd be cool for us to reunite and connect and be together. No, that was an unexpected but good choice. Thank you. Yeah, I was thinking of like animal characters just to be funny, and then like it just yeah got derailed. Oh, I'm hitting the wrong tab. That's why I'm like, wait, what's the next question? Duh, look at the right thing. Uh, what would your signature candle scent be? My signature candle scent would be. I would love something that's like makes you makes you second. I, I would do. I would do. Um, Lo-fi. I would do like rainy day lo-fi jazz. It would be like a genre of music and you light it and you're like, oh, that's exactly what this is. No, that's a good one. What would you put in a time capsule? Man, the internet's already doing that for us. Um, I think I would put like, so with magic props, a lot of them 
are made by a, one specific creator for a short period of time. It's like me. It's like, okay, I'm going to decide to design this product and I'll send it to anybody who wants one. I'm not going to continually make it forever. And so once I run out, that product might like cease to exist. I would probably take some of the magic products and books that are just really formative to me, but I know aren't really made anymore. Put those in a time capsule and send those because hopefully someone will be inspired to recreate that or see it and you know come up with a new and improved form in the future. So that that's probably what I would do. Wow, so giving, giving up your favorite books. Mm. Oh, well, this might be easy for you, but we're going to ask it anyway. If you ran away with the circus, what would your act be? Uh, I would do like, um, I would do like regurgitating. No, just kidding. Of course, I, I would do magic and, uh, and comedy. And comedy. I can see it. Oh, speaking of how we got canceled earlier, what would your 45-minute apology video be about? Probably just saying something kind of out of pocket at a corporate event and offending somebody unintentionally. Actually, I did have to, I did get canceled. I lost like I, I had 110,000 followers on Instagram once and I let a, I let people come on my lives when I was doing the live thing and some like I would do like talent shows and people knew that I laugh at stupid stuff. I had a kid put his cat in the toilet and flush it. Obviously, the cat's not going to go down the toilet. But people were so mad that I was laughing at that. And they were like, yeah, I lost a lot of followers for that. Yeah. So I guess I guess I never made apology video about that. Maybe I should. <laughs> I was like, do you want to make an apology video now? <laughs> no. But I, it's so in the past, people probably forgot about it until now. But yeah, I got canceled for that. I was, I was asking them to like, do it again because I didn't like I couldn't see it well. It's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> not that i'm condoning flushing your cats um i, I mean it, it's just you get the cat a little wet it's not gonna like that it's like that's like saying it's like dipping your cat's toes in the sink like how traumatic really is it for that animal i don't know like he closed the lid on it or anything eh, no mm, uh, trauma could come in any ways blah 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 therapy 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 but yeah. you asking for it to be done again that's hilarious um <laughs> i couldn't see it well <laughs> Not that you think, have to... Oh, sorry. I was going to say I had to make good content, but go ahead. Rapid fire. Go, go, go. Not that you have to do it, but what is your best impression? Hmm. Of a person or of anything? Just an impression. Could be of... Oh, God. Oh, gosh. I'm drawing a blank. I know I have one. I must have one. Um, I could do a really good impression of my friend Joseph Young. That that that's my best one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm not gonna do it for his sake, but yeah. Oh no! And something I love about that question, I didn't say what are you good at. I just said what's your best one. Oh, I see. Yeah. So because I'm horrible at impressions, but I got a couple things I can do, which will be answered at the season finale. I I can quote almost any part of any episode of SpongeBob though. So not that those are impressions. But, like, I can totally recall those at any time, you know? Anyway. Uh, all right, next one. Who would play you in a documentary slash movie about your life? Frankie Muniz. Next one. What <laughs> genre would that documentary or movie be? Uh, whatever genre the uh, Jonah Hill does. So, like, not rom-com, but, like, I guess just straight up, you know, uh, yeah, just comedy. It would be a comedy. It'd be comedy retelling of my life. 
last one. If your life was a jukebox musical, what would be the opening song? Like a Virgin by Madonna. Frankie Muniz singing Like a Virgin by Madonna in not a rom-com, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess it could be a rom-com. It'd be a rom-com retelling of my life. That's what it would be. Okay, I'm Frankie a hopeless Mu- romantic. Wow. Well, at least the song's fitting then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder what part of your life this is being sung in, but hey, you know what? You write your own stories. We talked all about that. <laughs> Digital footprints. Marketing everyone, bing, bang, boom. Here endeth the rapid fire questions. Thank so, you. Thank you all. Cue the applause. Thank you very much. Clap in your cars or at your home or on your couch wherever you're listening to this. Go ahead and applaud for me and I'll wait. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but where can people find you? Uh, the best thing for you to do is follow me on both Facebook and Instagram or if you're professional on LinkedIn. I try to be more active on there lately. Um, it's all Chris Mike Magic, not Magic Mike. Chris M I K E Magic. Um, I, if you follow me on there, you can see show dates that are coming up. I don't know what I've got going on in September right now, uh, since it's being filmed ahead of time. But please, please, please check and see what shows are coming up. Doing a big national tour probably in the next year or so, and uh, we got to fill seats. And I'd love to see you there. And if you just even want to like get directly in touch with me, just tell me you saw me from this podcast, and I'll you know, put you in my contacts and we'll be, you know, adjacently friends. Uh, and that way you can say hello when you come see my show and come backstage and stuff. Is that what we are adjacently friends? I'm talking to the people listening. You know, I, I haven't met them. It's a one way thing right now. Oh no, I totally get what you meant. I just like Josh and with you. Wow. I sound old anyways. Josh and I use that too though. It's, it's crazy that you use that. Just I Josh usually- with you. I usually don't use it, so... Mm. All right. So, remember, everyone, I'm on chrismikemagic.com, seeing at all the fun things that Chris does. Private parties, summer camps, adult magic shows, birthday party magician, and community events, and probably more. Uh, yeah, a little a little bit outdated. I'm going to chime in there, but my primarily thing that I do is uh, corporate events and milestone social events. So, like, if you have, uh, you know... A retirement party or you know in some cases a 40th is a milestone um hit me up i don't i'm trying not to do as many you know low-key birthday parties not really my jam anymore but uh hey i won't say no if you got good money for it <laughs> i was about to say i'm turning 30 this year <laughs> yeah that's that's totally up my alley that's a milestone that's a milestone all right well thank you for coming on is there anything you want to say to the world in this interview particularly? Because <laughs> I know you do a lot of these and I appreciate you making time for this one. Yeah, totally. Thank you. This was fun. Um, I think just please connect with me online. Give a follow and stay in the community. Um, I think that I really foster a good group of people and I do really like for you guys to stay involved with what I'm doing and it'll become a two-way street. So please follow the socials and just just drop me a line. It would It, it would mean a lot and it would go very far for both of us. Yeah, and you never know what celebrity you're going to get to meet through, Chris. It's true. It it does actually happen for a lot of people, yes. (laughs) Yeah, like everyone heard it here. Chris is going to get me Lizzo to come on here. (laughs) Yeah, I just got to camp outside of Fogo to Chow. In Baltimore, of all places. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, but Lizzo, if you actually do end up listening to this, I would love to have you on. Not because you're a big pop star. I'm going to talk marching band. (laughs) I want to talk about like 
how your Bandcamp experience was, just like the stuff that made you you before you were a star. Mm-hmm. But whatever, I'll do that with anyone. Basically, Chris, if you do find people that want to come on, send them my way. I'll interview almost everyone. I have and, I have a few people in mind that would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally down. Um, if you want to be a guest on the podcast, you know how to reach out. Just It's in the description. Check it out. Chris, again, thank you, thank you, thank you for making the time, especially after your big corporate day of razzle-dazzle. And yeah, just thanks. No problem. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, catch us next Orbit Satellites, all of you fun people out there, and bye. Thank you.